The stars are right, and that means it's time for another episode of The Whisper in Darkness. I'm your host, The Man from Lang. Thank you very much for joining me today. On this episode, we are going to take a look at FAQ 2.0, which was released last week. We're going to discuss a couple of errata, a few rules clarifications, and then we are going to dive into the list of taboos, which had several cards added to it this time around. This is the first FAQ in more than a year, so we have a lot to talk about. Before we get started, I'd like to thank the patrons of this channel for their tremendous support. The Arkham Horror LCG community is amazing, and these people have gone above and beyond to bring you content like these videos. If you'd like to support the channel's goals and see your name on this list, head over to patreon.com, sign up for a tier of your choice, and claim your rewards. That would be awesome. Special thanks to Coleman Rochitti for the amazing art that graces the channel, Nicole Fiscus for the Whisper and Darkness logo, and Nate Lost in Time and Space for the intro as well as the overlays. Thank you very much, I couldn't do it without you. Without further ado, let's get started. Hello Arkham Horror fans, welcome back. Uh, we are going to uh, take a break from our regularly scheduled uh, content here to discuss the new FAQ for the Arkham Horror LCG that uh, dropped on Friday. It is the uh, first FAQ that we have received in, uh, I believe it is over a year at this point. So there are uh, quite a few uh, changes uh, there is some errata, there are quite a few rules clarifications, as well as uh, new additions to the list of taboos. We are going to take a look at uh, them today. Now there is some errata and rules clarifications. We are just going to quickly summarize those so we can uh, dive right into uh, the list of taboos. There were uh, four errata that uh, are contained in the FAQ. The first is uh, both versions of Storm of Spirits and uh, MKV Grenades. Both received a minor change to their damaging effects, so they combo properly with cards like uh, Marksmanship, so they can do damage to uh, enemies at other locations. Hallowed Mirror, Occult Lexicon, and Miss Doyle received a slight change to their forced effects so that their bonded cards are set aside rather than removed from the game when uh, Hallowed Mirror, Occult Lexicon, and Miss Doyle leave play. Uh, originally, those cards were removed from the game, so if you somehow lost uh, the Mirror, Lexicon, or Doyle, you were uh, SOL for the rest of the game. Stick to the Plan receives a one-word fix to ensure that the cards that are attached to it do so face down, meaning they are out of play. This brings Stick to the Plan in line with uh, some of the other cards that have been released recently. Uh, I believe uh, Ancestral uh, Knowledge being one of them. Uh, a lot of these cards now stack things face down. I believe Backpack is another one. So it just brings Stick to the Plan into line with those. And uh, the repackaged printing of the Path to Carcosa campaign expansion changes the lunatic trait on many enemy cards, along with the card titles for several enemies to pull the narrative away from harmful, incorrect stereotypes regarding mental illness. I believe FFG announced this one uh, earlier this year to coincide with the, uh, the release of the uh, Path to Carcosa campaign expansion. But... Uh, the uh, changes to the uh, trait doesn't affect the game in uh, any way. Any uh, thoughts on the errata? Uh, I do like that they're sort of bringing in line, stick to the plan with all the other um, 
kind of attach cards just to clarify how those kinds of cards interact because there was an interaction with stick to the plan and how it interacted with research abilities if i remember correctly or the cards that um like astounding revelation for instance that would allow you to uh, gain resources at the start of the game right there is a rules clarification specifically about that sort of interaction at the beginning of the game okay um okay. which which i appreciate i don't i don't think the designers intended for you to start the game with seven resources when you purchase stick to the plan so <laughs> it's a nice nice rules change there and uh, i also appreciate that they they went through the effort of changing some of the carcosa text for just for clarification's sake, because there is also the issue of if you buy this new box, but also buy a return to, there may be some issues with the printings there. So right. it's nice that they clarify that in the FAQ as well. Yeah. I also noticed um, to, to touch on the Storm of Spirits, Mark 1 Grenades, and um, the bonded cards like Miss Doyle. So a few of these clarifications, these were, I actually recall like both of these topics being discussed locally, where you know, there was there was one way to do it that we kind of intuitively thought it would be, and then there was another way to do it that you know it might have also been. For example, like uh, Mark One grenades, like when you throw the grenade, okay, you blow everything up at around it, right? But even though like if you if it says at your location, it's like you throw the grenade, but then it blows things up around you. You know, like you know, Storm of Spirits and Mark One grenades have that problem. But it's like, but intuitively, I throw the grenade, it blows everything up around my target, right? Yeah, and these these clarifications seem to like bring things in line to intuition. There were uh, several rules clarifications as well. Uh, the first of which was the introdu introduction of the uh, limbo state, which uh, has been defined as the liminal state between in play and out of play that uh, transient cards such as treacheries or events are in while the effect is being resolved. Uh, the designers are quick to note that uh, this actually has no effect on play whatsoever. It's simply sort of clarifying how, you know, if I play an event, is it in play or is it in my hand? Uh, the answer is neither. It is in limbo, but no cards will refer to limbo or anything like that. So I think this is just you know uh, just a clarification on where those cards are another clarification they issued was on uh, shifting cards between your slots that was uh, unclear so now an investigator must decide which slot is holding an asset at the time it enters play and that cannot change unless the contents or quantity of the investigator's slots changes i think this probably has a lot to do with uh, many of the mystic cards that we have received of late that uh, grant additional hand slots or arcane slots and uh, they're constantly sort of changing depending on how many um, arcane slots and hand slots you have so if you play a card such as shriveling now you have to designate that it's in an arcane slot and you can't change that to a different slot unless the number of slots changes i don't think this is really a big issue for a lot of players i don't think it really affects the game in in any real way so just a clarification there the uh, third clarification was the silver rule to go along with the uh, the golden rule of the game and that is that uh, 
If an encounter card and a player card directly contradict one another, the encounter card takes precedence. Otherwise, if two cards of the same type contradict one another, the lead investigator decides. I think we all sort of assume that encounter cards take priority over player cards, but uh, again, just uh, clarifying how cards interact. And then the FAQ contains a lot of other rulings uh, to further define specific words, such as look at, find, different, take, perform an action, etc., in order to help players uh, interpret specific card interactions. Any thoughts on the uh, rules clarifications? No, I'm always happy to see clarifications like this, especially ones that provide nice examples like these ones tend to do. It's nice to be able to like reference the rules and be like, all right, well, what exactly does it, the game mean when uh, I have to spawn something farthest from all investigators, like Smite the Wicked? Oh, yeah, that was something that actually would come up quite a bit. Like, what does farthest from all investigators actually mean? There's some weird stuff, you know, that happens mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. Especially in multiplayer games, like what that means is kind of unclear because and it's and I'm glad they clarified it as like you sum total of distances. Yes. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which can lead to some weird stuff where like there's say there's two investigators way over here. Okay. And then there's one investigator right here and like the sum total would mean that farthest from all investigators is like right next to the lonely guy. You know, it leads to some weird things like that, but and that's something that's really not intuitive. Yeah, and then I the I do appreciate them clarifying looking at searching and finding because oh, there yeah. are specific interactions, especially with Mandy, that very much depend on the wording, so it's nice that they clarify that for, for Mandy players. Yeah, it seems that like a lot of card games have they they go through this rules growth stage where the more cards get released, the more different uses of various words in the english language get used all mm. of a sudden they start they start messing with each other and becoming in conflict and it becomes a tangle and so rules clarifications like this are kind of unavoidable yeah yeah every game goes through it i, I know yeah. magic went through it uh, has gone through it multiple times actually you know mm. with eighth edition and then they went through it again with the more modern editions in like 2013 and then Yu-Gi-Oh did the same thing where they had like a huge like rehauling of all the text on the cards to like make them actually readable <laughs> well like and physically readable i've been told that Yu-Gi-Oh, their official font is like three point font. it's tiny yeah <laughs> but they, like the way that they structure the text now like is you know okay. cost timing colon effect oh so now you can yeah. like interpret how exactly when and how you can use the effect so it's it's nice that they've gone through and done that so are they printing everything on tarot size cards now so you can you can see everything <laughs> no and of course you know they're japanese size cards so they're even smaller than arkham cards <laughs> you know so they print but, more but tech. They as small as FFG, other ffg games where the cards are like teensy weensy oh <laughs> uh, well we'll get into customizable cards at some point and then you know we'll need a whole oh, God, second yeah, card yeah. to put all the text on <laughs> Uh, but it, but it is nice. I think the other nice uh, clarification here is encounter cards versus scenario cards, because there are quite a oh, few yeah. speaker cards that reference like a scenario card. The one that sticks out to me is true understanding. Yeah, like, it is a location, a scenario card is an act card, a scenario card. You know, it or literally it took me card? years to figure this out. Like I did. I just assumed it was like treachery. 
and that was it mm-hmm. for like literally years. Yeah, because I, I, I don't. I it just never comes up, you know. Right. Yeah, and I'm sure you're not alone in that. So yeah, I said yeah. they took the time to clarify that. Yeah, I think if you're a, if you're a new player to the game and uh, this may be your first LCG, it's it is important to uh, remember that uh, there is a pretty big difference often between terms like look at and find and and stuff like that. They may sound like they're the same, but usually if you uh, then refer to the rules reference you'll usually find an entry that uh, specifies uh, what those terms really mean. And so there are uh, subtle differences to, uh, to pay attention to. But uh, most of those are contained in the rules reference. Uh, if you uh, have a chance, do check out uh, the FAQ. There are a lot of, uh, of new entries that are uh, marked in red. But uh, a lot of them are just sort of clarifying things that uh, that uh, already were in the game. I think there are some clarifications regarding what you can do with uh, signature cards and stuff like that. But uh, you know, a lot of it we sort of already knew. Basically, like unless you are the investigator who has the signature card, you basically can't really interact with it in in any real way. Uh, I did see they also did clarify how Geared Up works, which uh, I know was one of the outstanding questions from uh, from Edge of the Earth. I believe it now says that the cards are played one at a time, which I think now sort of clarifies how it interacts with Backpack. I believe you can now play Geared Up with Backpack properly rather than uh, before when geared up just said play all the items and there was really no chance for backpack to trigger and now it does work that way so it also clarifies Schaffner's catalog because that was also a weird one if like okay so if i play all the items all at once can i use my Schaffner's catalog to get a discount on items that i'm also playing with geared up so i think this also clarifies that where you can go all right i play my Schaffner's catalog it has five secrets on it and then i can use those to like discount other items yeah and it just feels more natural to do things one at a time all right with the uh, errata and rules clarifications out of the way let's dive right into the uh the spicy bit of the uh, faq the uh, list of taboos always a uh, subject for a lot of debate in the community before we get started i just wanted to ask you guys how uh, do you approach the uh, list of taboos personally i tend to take it in bits and pieces some things i agree with and i will use other things i don't i know you're supposed to take it as whole cloth or not at all but uh, i don't tend to do that personally yeah i'm kind of the same way i piecemeal what i like out of it and then disregard pretty much anything else and i think for the most part my only real issue prior was just machete because in solo machete's just a good weapon, so I would just <laughs> I would just take that off the taboo list. But they've done that for me, so oh, well, I guess I'm following the taboo list now. Yeah. What I what I've always tried to do is I try to look at okay, what was the intent? Like, what was the context of this particular entry in the taboo list? And and then I would kind of decide accordingly. I think a great example is drawing thin. That one is it. it it's very very powerful if you like lean 
all the way in on drawing thin. Like I'm going to run two drawing thins. I'm going to run take hearts. I'm going to run track shoes to like get extra drawing thin, um, get extra drawing thin triggers. So I thought, okay, well, if I were playing a deck like that, I understand why drawing thin was on the taboo list. But if I'm not doing that, then, and I want to use drawing thin for like a very basic use, you know, like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to fail something. Let me fail it harder. And I get two resources as like a refund, you know, like, sure. You know, that, that seems fine. Play it for zero XP and don't worry so much about the taboo list there. In general though, I've kind of respected the mutated list a bit more because those feel like errata mm. optional errata but they feel like there's a correction being made there uh that being said these corrections do tend to be in the context of i'm playing every card in the card pool so even then it's like eh, you know just some salt you know a few grains but not you know lots of grains yeah i tend to treat a lot of the cards that end up on the uh, chained list as sort of soft banned in a way for me because i mean a lot of them are already super powerful like the necronomicon obviously can be easily abused and so i've i've played with it i don't purchase it anymore if i'm building decks but uh, that is the the nice thing about the list of taboos is that uh, it is optional so if you if you like it, you can play with it. If you want a bit more of a challenge, they encourage you to play with it. But if you're just starting the game and uh, you have a small card pool, then I, I would tend not to worry about it. Or you can even take the parts you like and ignore the parts you don't. I, I think that's also a, a, a fair way of approaching it. Just play the game as you wish and... Uh, go from there now uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the uh, the list of taboos there are two sections there are the cards that are chained and unchained those are cards that have had their experience point uh, costs changed uh, in most cases experience points are tacked on to the card so they cost uh, more xp and you can't include them in your deck at the beginning of a campaign however they have recently uh, began to deduct experience from some cards that uh, they deem to be uh, overpriced in order to to get them to see a little bit more play uh, the first one we saw was the uh, i believe it was the springfield from uh, undimensioned and unseen was the first card to receive that uh, that sort of uh, change and uh, we have a couple more on uh, on this version of the taboo list the second batch are cards that are mutated. Those are cards that have had their uh, text changed in uh, in subtle ways in order to uh, to rein in their power a little bit. The most uh, one of the easiest examples uh, is uh, Rex Murphy, who had his uh, response altered, so it's just limit once per round. Because uh, if you've played him unaltered or unmutated uh, he can get uh, pretty crazy pretty quickly with uh, all of the other seeker cards in the pool we're going to start things off with the uh, chained and unchained cards they did uh, actually remove one card as nate alluded to earlier machete used to be chained it had a plus one experience point cost and uh, that has been uh, removed so uh, players may now include uh, Machete in their decks again at the start of scenarios. 
I believe the designers did this because uh, there are uh, now plenty of weapons uh, to compete for that uh, hand slot uh, in Guardian, and uh, Machete was no longer deemed uh, as overpowered as it used to be, and uh, certainly we are receiving even more weapons in the upcoming Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion, so uh, players have lots of options now, and uh, Machete is uh, back in the pool. I know this is, uh, this is one of the uh, chained cards that I tended to ignore as a solo player. Machete's really good in solo, and so I played with it. <laughs> I didn't, didn't bother with, <laughs> yeah. the, with the whole 1 XP. Any uh, thoughts on Machete? I'm glad to see that the designers recognize that too, because honestly, Machete is not even the best weapon, depending on what campaign you're playing. Like, oh, if you're playing right. Dream Eaters, don't bring Machete. <laughs> That's going to be a bad time for you. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, but... I think Enchanted Blade kind of, you know, yeah. kind of took over Machete's spot. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like a lot of people ended up just not playing machete for a really long time and they just kind of got used to playing other weapons so i think part of it is that too like now now the player base is sort of just kind of used to not playing machete anymore and we've mm. moved on i guess yeah it's true we got things like meat cleaver you know and various rogue weapons and yeah i think that's a big part of it too is i think not necessarily machete itself, but that all of the other classes have received playable level zero weapons. Mm -hmm. You know, like Survivor now has Derringer that it can play, which is reasonable from the Stella Clark deck. You know, mm -hmm. Mystics always got their spells, but Seekers have their ways of dealing with combat. And obviously the Guardians have received plenty of good level zero weapons throughout mm -hmm. the past few years. So, yeah. It's nice to see Machete off the list. Plus, like, in the Forgotten Age, you're going to the jungle. You have to bring a machete. You have you're going to. to the jungle on Scenario That is mandatory. You have to bring a machete. I mean, you're going to the jungle. <laughs> How are you going to get around? How are you going to get around without a machete? I don't know. You're just not. I've yeah, always kind of put at least one machete in all of the decks that I've played through TFA that can take it. Yeah, because... You have to. <laughs> that brings us to the first addition to the list. It is David Renfield, an, uh, a mystic ally who was released in, I believe, Echoes of the Past uh, Mythos pack and has uh, since been reprinted in the Path to Carcosa Investigator expansion. Just a reminder for those of you out there, David Renfield is a two-cost asset that has an intellect skill icon ally in patron trait. While David Renfield has at least one doom on him, you get plus one uh, willpower, and he has a free-triggered ability, exhaust David Renfield. You may place one doom on David Renfield, gain one resource for each doom on David Renfield. He has two health and one sanity and takes up an ally slot. Much like uh, Switchblade before it, this is a preemptive uh, taboo. They are finally going to uh, flesh out the uh, adding doom mechanic uh, that has sort of been in the game for the past five years, but they haven't really done anything with it. That is going to be fleshed out in uh, the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion, and uh, there is the new Mystic Investigator, Amina, who will, uh, I think, lean heavily into that. Probably during playtesting, David Renfield proved to be a little too good in those decks because uh, while you can add 
doomed to David Renfield using his ability, having a whole bunch of cards that add doom to assets can sort of ramp him up to uh, high levels of resource generation very quickly. So they have uh, tacked on three XP to uh, to David Renfield. I have to say, as uh, someone who plays a lot of Mystic, this is a uh, this is a pretty tough one for me. What do you guys think? So remember my example earlier about drawing thin, where, like personally, I felt that it seems like it's one of those things that only gets taboo worthy and broken if you like really lean into it. I have a feeling David Renfield is the same way where he's probably fine. And like, you know, he's fine in like every single set we've been playing so far, but I have a feeling like you're going to be, you're going to be allowed to really lean into him starting in Scarlet keys. So it's like, if you don't own Scarlet keys or you have Scarlet keys and you're not playing a lean into David Renfield whole hog deck, then he doesn't deserve three XP. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's tough because like mystics already are kind of choked with their allies to begin with. Yeah, you know, they don't have like, a lot. Yeah. They have pretty much Renfield, uh, Arcane Initiate, and Olive. I think are the big three that most mystics play at level oh, zero. Yeah, I mean, don't forget Alyssa Graham, and uh, that's about it at this point. At this point in the carve pool, that's about it. Yeah, so yeah. like taking one of those four options, kind of sucks for Mystics. Yeah, especially one that really, like, helped them in an area that they really needed it in their resources. Yeah. You know, it sucks because yeah. like like you were saying, like most Mystic decks are probably just generating like four to five resources after they pay for Renfield and getting that willpower boost for a few turns, and then ultimately Renfield bites the bullet at some point. Yeah, and it was actually, uh, I do admit, it's kind of fun to, like, figure, have a plan to get rid of Renfield. <laughs> like, you know you have to throw him under the bus at some point. So, you, mm-hmm. so the trick is you have to plan it, planning in advance, like, when you're going to throw him under the bus and how. My favorite is Ward of Protection. Play Ward of Protection, buy Renfield. <laughs> <laughs> or draw a special token off the shriveling or something like that, yeah. Bye. <laughs> oh, Renfield, what happened, man? I don't know. <laughs> wow, oh, what a man. shame. No one could have seen this coming. <laughs> Renfield is just the perfect like horror NPC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, plus uh, his reference of, from uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the name, yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with you with this on this one, uh, Matastrophic. I think if you if you're gonna play Amina or a lot of the the new Doom cards from the Scarlet Keys. Probably don't play Renfield as well, but I think I feel as though by adding three XP, they've basically soft banned him for every Mystic, and I don't necessarily agree with that. So I think if I I believe I'm playing Renfield currently in my Agnes deck, I might be mistaken about that, but I if I wasn't leaning into the Doom thing. I think I'll still just play Renfield as written once I get around to uh, to playing with Amina and some of her cards. Then uh, Renfield will probably uh, return to the box for a little bit. And, you know, who knows? We may be getting other allies that uh, work better in that slot. And so uh, you may not necessarily uh, need to play 
to play Renfield anyway, there might be a better choice. So mm. we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, obviously they did some uh, play testing internally and uh, Renfield proved to be too good. So uh, this is a uh, preemptive taboo. The next card uh, on the list uh, that was added is Signum Crucis. This one uh, is one of the cards that actually had its XP cost reduced. Signum Crucis was a uh, survivor skill that cost 2 XP, so now it is uh, a level 0 card. It was released in the Horror in High Gear Mythos pack. It has a one wild skill icon, practiced and blessed traits. Commit only to a skill test you are performing and only if the difficulty of that test is higher than your base skill value. After you commit Signum Crucis to a skill test, add X blessed tokens to the chaos bag, where X is the difference between the test's difficulty and your base skill value. I honestly had to go to Arkham DB to find out what Sigtum Crucis did when uh, I saw it on the list. I it was a blank. What do you guys think about this one? I think that this and the next card we'll talk about are the reason that Arkham DB was slogging the past couple of days. <laughs> It's because all of the Arkham Horror fans needed to remind themselves what these two <laughs> cards did. That's true. Oh, this it's is playable now. What is this? <laughs> I don't true. remember this card. Oh, right, right, right. That card. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. At oh. zero XP, this card feels very appropriate for what it does. Yeah, you can compare it to um, also from the Ends with Conspiracy, Keep Faith. Because Keep Faith is kind of like the go-to of you spend two resources as a fast action. Put four blesses in the bag. Great. Signum Crucius has like a similar effect where you put some blesses in the bag as like without spending any actions. The problem is like at two XP, it was kind of like terrible compared to Keep Faith. I gotta be yeah. honest. Yeah. So at least this one, it feels appropriate at zero. I gotta, I gotta say. Yeah. yeah and there's that other skill card um, from the Dunwich Legacy. That the name escapes me right now. Rise to the uh, occasion. Yes. Rise to the yeah. occasion. You know, it's sort of in that same vein. Whereas, rise to the occasion, at least the upgrade, like, helped you actually succeed the test. This one now can actually go into your, your blessed decks at level zero yeah. and be a useful yeah. tool for those decks. Yeah, if you can get single crucius to, like, add, like, two or three blessed tokens, um, if you could, if you can get it to do it, it, it seems appropriate for a, a deck slot at zero XP. But not at two. Oh, man. That's why none of us knew what it did, because we all forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a nice addition for for Calvin, and uh, I believe Preston can also take it now, which oh, yeah. he couldn't before because it was 2 XP. It was out of his range. So I think for a lot of those uh, those low stat investigators, if you're interested in uh, building a Bless deck, this is a, you're going to get three two three tokens out of it which you know for a card that doesn't cost you any resources and gives you a wild skill icon on top and the fact that those blessed tokens go in the bag before you pull so you actually have a chance to get another plus two possibly more on top of that it's uh that's a nice uh, a nice little bonus the next card on the list also had its uh, xp cost reduced by Two, this is uh, Rite of Equilibrium. It is a mystic event that was released in the Into the Maelstrom Mythos pack. This is a free event. It cost 5 XP to begin with. Has a wild skill icon, spell, blessed, and curse traits. 
Either choose one, add X curse tokens to the chaos bag to add X bless tokens to the chaos bag. The second ability is remove X curse tokens and X bless tokens from the chaos bag to heal X total horror from among cards at your location. I remember when uh, you and I uh, reviewed this card initially, Nate, uh, in the uh, Into the Maelstrom uh, reviews, and uh, man, oh man, it felt like uh, Mystics got uh, screwed with their Capstone card for the Bless and Curse mechanic. Yeah, and it still feels that way. I um, I don't even know if I'd play this card at like 2 XP, let alone 3. Oh, wow. Or even 1, I don't know. Well, like, yeah, I guess, I guess that's actually it. a good point because you can look, you can compare this side by side to um, what's it called, Tempt Fate, which was neutral, zero cost, zero XP, added three blesses and three curses into the bag, and draw you a card for no actions. The top half of Rite of Equilibrium is like that's a lot of that's a lot of expenditure just to like make that X be more than three. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it does fill the bag, if that's what you want it to do. If that's what you want, yeah. Which is powerful, yeah. if that's what you're looking to do, but yeah. I don't think it's 5 XP and an action no. powerful. I wonder if what happened, I think Signum Crucius, it's, its change kind of alludes to this. I wonder if a lot of Blessing Curse cards got cut from Ins with Conspiracy. Because I feel like Blessing Curse is a good idea, they just needed more card slots. I mean, and... I was saying that during our review of it. Oh, during the review? Yeah. yeah. And great minds, right, Nate? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, and I wonder if... Uh... So I'm glad... What I am glad of is that cards that generate blesses and curses, they've added two of them to the taboo list in, like, a positive way. Yes. I think... They've added a bunch yeah. in a positive way, to be fair, which is cool, which I really like. Yeah, because yeah, uh... I think more ways to generate blesses and curses were kind of important. I think the, the set... The, the cycle wasn't big enough to like have enough ways to really make that work. Like in order to play a bless deck, you kind of had to play Sister Mary just to get mm -hmm. enough blesses in the bag. Yeah. So any yeah. more ways to get blesses in the bag, I think is is very cool. Yeah. I, uh, blessings you can, if you have access to Survivor, I think you have pretty good tools True. to to True. do the bless deck. But what's more the issue yeah. for me is the curse decks. Is that the curse decks just don't really have a lot to do. Oh yeah, you yeah, know, like I, you've I got see. the Seeker Covenant, and then that's kind of it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Maybe the Rogue one too, but that's not really the same deal. Like you're not trying to take advantage of the tokens; you're just trying to like cancel them. And... Yeah, and you had the the Mystic, um, some of those Mystic spells, you know, which mm -hmm. I think are worthy of experimentation. The problem is, is like you have to like not only figure out a way to get the blessings, the curses in the bag, but you also have to like survive the minus twos that the curses give you yeah yeah which was which the mystic class didn't, class didn't help to you it. to do yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah. uh it did the mystic trap class tried to do the paradoxical having both in the in the bag at the mm -hmm. same time and i've tried that deck out with numerous investigators and i've never gotten it to work yeah like, probably because it's like it's really difficult to get that many consistently have that many blessings and curses in the bag at the same time it you is pretty much had to have like a full-on mystic plus sister mary or like be lola hayes just to like even just to pack in enough generation you know yeah i think the way i ended up doing it is i tried it once with jacqueline and just okay. slamming in tempt fate and uh right of equilibrium like that was 
10 XP mm -hmm. of my deck at the, at the time. So 12 XP for this and the Covenant. And then you would basically just hope you draw this. So you had like... Oh, yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> you know, you can find this with Arcane Initiate. Yeah. And Arcane Initiate yeah. like help you do that. And once you find it, it's like it's game on at that point. Mm -hmm. But the problem was that it was just so slow. Mm -hmm. And then it just wasn't reliable enough. And, you know, yeah, it is nice that you get a discount on it, but doesn't solve the problem. And I've never used the second half of the card, so I don't know how useful that is. And I play a lot of Carolyn. And I just oh, yeah. So it's like healing a bunch of horror. It's like, yeah, the, sure. the issue is that you have to remove X of each. And right. there are a lot of times where you draw the tokens unevenly. Oh, yeah, so you only have, like, two blessings and eight curses or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so you you just end up, like, having to do, you know, the least amount, which kind of sucks sometimes. I don't think I would buy this even at 3 XP. I think probably if you're looking to play the Paradoxical deck, Parallel Wendy might be your best option. I think it's interesting that they knocked 2 XP off this card and uh, still kept it out of uh, Sister Mary's uh, paws because she can't take three nice. XP cards. So that might have been an, uh, an issue that they didn't want to drop it down even more because suddenly she gets another way of potentially adding blessed tokens to the bag. Who knows? It, it still feels like for, for Tempt Fate, basically a, a souped-up Tempt Fate, it still seems like it's too much. And again, as we've, we've said, I don't know if the payoff is there for doing all this and and trying to the at least in solo bless and curse decks feel a, feel a step slower than than their non bless and curse versions to begin with and that these changes don't really address that problem so i could say from experience that team building bless decks can get a lot of could be a lot of fun and can be very effective because like there are enough tools i think for blessings to kind of synergize with each other especially when you start getting the covenants rolling like the 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 uh sa the the survivor covenant and the guardian covenant once you get those rolling in like a multiplayer game it gets kind of nuts and uh very powerful but in solo you can't you don't have anybody else to help you add those blessings to the bag you know to actually get get your you know get the fun started so like i think it's definitely a, a there's definitely a uh a gulf between solo and three four player when it comes to blessings and curse because of just generation this one i i'm sort of a blind spot for me i'm not sure whether this change will suddenly make this card more playable i think i had certainly forgotten about it for the most part and i think a lot of players it was simply too much at five maybe three will make it more appealing we will uh, have to wait and see the next card to be added to the list of taboos is Jeremiah Kirby from the Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion. He now costs 2 XP. Jeremiah Kirby is a 4-cost Seeker asset with an Intellect skill icon, Ally, Miskatonic, and Wayfarer traits. You get plus 1 Intellect. Response after Jeremiah Kirby enters play, choose even or odd. Reveal the top 5 cards of your deck. Draw each card with a cost that matches the chosen option. Shuffle the remaining cards into your deck. He has two health, one sanity, and uh, takes up an ally slot. Now, during our review of uh, the Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion, we weren't 
particularly impressed by Jeremiah. I mean, I think we recognize that if you were to build your deck to be mostly even or mostly odd, he uh, you could potentially draw quite a few cards off him. But uh, this one kind of surprised me that it uh, that it made the list. What do you guys uh, think? I feel like this is on the list because it enables something else that should be on the list more than more than itself if that makes any sense so okay i think i think jeremiah is you know like like you were saying it's one of those things where if you build your deck in such a way you can abuse it pretty easily yeah and it, it feels like it's on the list because the player base found a way to abuse that ability and probably draw five cards off of it and that's probably a little too good specifically pendant of the queen and its segments of onyx seem like the go-to uh, nonsense ways where you build your deck to be entirely odd and then you can find and dig for the segments very quickly with this and uh no stone unturned or three aces I, if you're playing three aces as well you know those types of types of things where you need to dig into your deck very quickly jeremiah kirby mm -hmm. facilitates that i get the sense that he's on a, on this list for some of the reasons david renfield i think there's some scarlet key stuff about him that that work with him that we don't know about yet that could also be the case as well yeah yeah i i, I get that sense um but as it is right now um personally i like to compare him to lab assist oh it's not lab laboratory assistant it's a. Uh... No, it is Lab Assistant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lab Assistant. Lab Assistant, spend two, draw two. Mm -hmm. Okay, where Kirby is spend four, draw X, get the uh, you know get the um, permanent um, intellect boost. So, I think he felt kind of right as he was. You know, if you just if you're actually if you're not cheating him into play, you know, if you're spending the four, you end up getting like three, maybe four cards off of him. And then he stuck around to give you the intellect boost, like Milan does. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's almost like he's like a he forms like a triangle where like you have lab assistant, spend two, draw two. You have Milan, spend four, get an intellect boost and some resources, and you have like Kirby in the middle, where it's like kind of a little bit of both. And it he felt kind of right at at zero XP, but I, I do su I do suspect that there's some like degenerate stuff that you can that you can do. And now they're playing whack a mole a little bit. <laughs> Mm. And I think another thing, too, is that Jeremiah is a really good ally for Charlie Kane. Oh, uh, yeah. That could be another reason, is that Charlie, yeah, could, build his deck in... Charlie yeah. could build his deck in such a way where you just draw a crazy number of allies, and then you can use Charlie's ability to just boost your skill levels into the stratosphere. True. Yeah. I wonder if there's some context we don't know about yet. I, gotta admit. I have a feeling that that may be the case, but yeah, yeah, I'm. I was a little surprised at first when I saw Jeremiah on the list, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, yeah, I can see, I can see why it would be on the list if there is something that yeah. I perhaps just didn't see initially. But yet, it sounds like it's another one of those situations where if you lean hard into Kirby, he's overpowered. But if you just use him casually, then he doesn't deserve two XP. You know? Yeah. Because, like, he's he's a big non-bow with skills, and I'm a big skill player. Exactly. So, exactly. Jared, yeah. like, Kirby isn't very appealing to someone like me who wants no. to play a bunch of skills, but I know a large portion of the player base doesn't really care for skill cards, so. 
Jeremiah was joined on the list by another ally from the Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion, Jeanette Beauregard. She is a Seeker and Rogue ally, costs 5 resources, 3 XP. She uh, has had 2 XP tacked onto her cost, so she, now she's a 5 XP card. She has an Intellect and Rogue uh, Agility skill icon, Ally and Wayfarer trait. You get plus one intellect and plus one agility as a response during your turn. After you move to a location, exhaustion a Beauregard, move a clue or a non-elite enemy from a connecting location to your location or vice versa. She has a two health, two sanity, and takes up an ally slot. Now, Janae is a card I haven't had a chance to play with yet, but I had heard that she was uh, very, very, very good for what she did. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm assuming that there's just a lot of ways to be able to abuse her ability, you know, where you just you move clues or you move enemies away, mm -hmm. and that, that alone can solve so many issues in so yeah, many scenarios. Yeah, kind of true. Yeah. I was a bit surprised, but I I kind of assumed that five resources would be enough to kind of disincentivize people from playing her, because that's a lot of resources, but... Mm -hmm. I mean, you you do get a lot of benefit out of those five resources with this card, so yeah, I can yeah. see it. I don't know if five so, XP is appropriate, but three XP is definitely a bargain. I think what's going on is that okay. So we've seen David Renfeld, we've got Jeremiah, we've got Janae, but see, like you and I, when we have our discussions and our games, um, we tend to think about allies like Peter Sylvester and Lola Santiago. Who I remember we directly compared Janae to when we mm -hmm. uh, were doing our Edge of the Earth review. So what I wonder is like, did they forget about Lola Santiago when making this taboo list, or did they, or is Lola, or is Janae just stronger than Lola Santiago for reasons where yeah, that you and I don't really pick up on? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Honestly, it's a yeah. good question because I feel like Janae is on par with. Um... Lola Santiago. Lola. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe maybe it's just because multiple classes can take her that it feels more yeah. I I honestly don't know. Like this yeah, this card, one this one yeah. I think hit me kinda out of left field. I was really surprised to see this one on the list. Yeah. I, I know it's a good card. I've only played with it like once or twice, but mm -hmm. it never felt to me anyway that it was inappropriately Nuts. powerful yeah yeah i mean but i also I, play I, mostly two player so maybe yeah. there's something in three or four player where it just gets ridiculous yeah i think if, i would be less surprised if allies like peter sylvester and lois santiago and delilah rourke and ikiak all appeared on this list as well mm. yeah like that would tell us that oh there's some ally stuff coming in scarlet keys and we we're going to take some allies who were like really pushed and dial them back a bit you know, then I wouldn't be so surprised. But it but like what we have here is like we have like Renfeld and then we have a couple of edge allies and they just showed up out of nowhere. Yeah. Which seems a little confusing. Yeah. They and of course they forgot the most important taboo for Jeremiah Kirby, and the taboo list did not explain why he's the Arctic explorer in the Antarctic expansion. So maybe in a year, you know, the that would solve itself. Maybe it'll mm -hmm. take an errata, but as for now, we still have that. Well, Maxine did uh, acknowledge in the uh, article that appeared on FFG's website that uh, 
the taboo list is not uh, all inclusive it doesn't have all of the all of the powerful cards that probably could be on the taboo list and it doesn't have it doesn't push all of the weak cards that probably could get boosted by the taboo list due to a simply making the taboo list too unwieldy and too long which i mean i don't think that's a particularly good excuse i mean card games yeah. have it's not like you have a word count <laughs> <laughs> card games tend to you fix the cards that need to be fixed and if that ends up being a long list so be it uh, the other issue they mentioned was just design time again i don't know i don't work for ffg so maybe that is a big issue so maybe maybe lola and Janae are on the same power level and Janae got hit with the the nerf stick and lola didn't and that's just a, a design time issue or they just didn't want to make the, the list too long i don't i don't know that's uh who knows what's uh what's going on there so as they say not all of the cards that that need to be uh nerfed are on this list and uh we'll just have to perhaps in in future facts whenever they uh, come out maybe that'll change but for now, uh, we have David Renfield, Signum Crucis, Rite of Equilibrium, Jeremiah Kirby, and Janae Beauregard, all uh, uh, having tweaks to their XP. I don't think it's a, really a surprise here that uh, how many Seeker cards get added to the list? Two, three, three more, se four, se five Seeker cards get tweaked in this one. So I'm sensing a trend here. Yeah, oh, six. Sorry, there are six tweaks to Seeker cards on this list, so uh, take that as you will. Let's move on to the mutated cards. These are cards that have had the additional or altered text. The first one, I think we can actually bunch a whole bunch of uh, sort of, they're all in their separate entries, but you can all sort of group them together. You've got uh, Ritual Candles, Jewel of Oriolus, Voice of Ra, uh, Dark Prophecy, and Counterspell have all had their text tweaked so that they now work with symbols instead of the uh, indicated symbols uh, on their card. In the case of Ritual Candles and the Jewel and Voice, uh, they now read a symbol, whereas Dark Prophecy and a Counterspell uh, just tweak it to a non-Elder Sign symbol and a non-Autofail uh, symbol instead of uh, individual symbols. This change really affects Bless and Curse tokens, so now you can use all of those cards which, which, uh, with Bless and Curse tokens, which I think is a, is a good change overall. Yeah, it's a great change overall. It makes the... You know, the one class that's supposed to be all about bag manipulation, good at the mechanic about bag yeah. manipulation, which is nice to yeah. see. And it, it's nice, too, because there is also other edge cases where it works with other tokens as well, like frost tokens from Edge of the Earth. Now you can draw a frost token and you can cancel it, which is nice if you've got a lot of frost tokens in the campaign. It's just nice to see them future-proof it as well. You know, maybe there are some other tokens they add down the line, and now they don't need to change the wording on it. They can just stick with this wording, and it'll be consistent throughout the game's lifespan. 
Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and I think that's pretty nice. It kind of brings everything together. Because um, it seems like you know, Ritual Candles was from you know, Dumbwich Legacy, Jewel of Aureolus, same thing. You know, at the time, there were only skulls and cultists and tablets, etc. But now there's more. Now years later, they're they're adding more, more symbols. So it's kind of nice that all the, the symbol ones, um, are, though all the like encompassing symbol cards, are all kind of brought together. You know, and consistent, which I think is nice. Um, personally, I'm really looking. I'm really curious about uh, trying ritual candles because in that we were talking about that mystic deck that likes temp fade and likes loading up the bag with with blesses and curses. Ritual candles kind of makes them asymmetric, which I think is kind of cool. Like blesses give plus three, curses take away minus one. You know, instead of being two and two, it's like now all of a sudden they're you know there's they're asymmetric, which I think could be kind of fun actually. Then you add on things like Armageddon. You know, from uh, the Insmith Conspiracy, and I think this is a lot of fun to be had there. Another new addition to the mutated list is Strange Solution Acidic Icker. They have uh, changed the card's fight ability. It now reads plus one damage instead of uh, plus two damage. I think this one has been uh, a long time coming. I'm honestly surprised it took them this long to. Uh, to tweak this one, the ability for Seekers to hit for three damage with uh, with a six fight was uh, pretty outrageous and uh, made a lot of Guardians uh, weep quietly to themselves in the corner. What do you guys think about this one? Finally! Oh my god, it only took them like six years. Oh, oh my goodness. But yes, yeah. it's nice to see them recognize... <laughs> Uh, three damage is too much damage for for a class that should not be centered around dealing damage. Yeah, plus um, even at two damage, like it seems like very it seems appropriate for four XP for a seeker. Yeah, I think uh, if you if you look back to our review on a city kicker, that would cause a lot of hyperbole and a lot of stir because I mean, in the same set as lightning gun, it's kind of like what the heck doing three yeah. damage in the same set as lightning gun. But at least this seems appropriate, like um, compared to. Uh, alternatives that seekers have like say you're playing daisy and you have shriveling um strange solution feels right actually at four xp in that she tests at a six instead of a three you know and she has like four charge she has like it takes no slot it costs one you know the number of charges that strange solution gives like it feels like a, an appropriate four xp card mm-hmm. at two damage instead of three instead of being like a better lightning gun yeah yeah i, I think the other thing too is that it doesn't allow the seeker to do everything which is important in a cooperative game you know you don't yep. want one player doing everything at the table while the other player is just going to sit there and wait for your turn to be over the next change uh, that was made is uh, an investigator lola hayes from the uh, path to carcosa since reprinted in the path to carcosa investigator expansion uh, Lola is uh, one of the trickier investigators uh, to play in this game due to her uh, ability to take cards from all five classes and uh, switch roles and uh, play cards. Just uh, for those of you who forget what she does, she's got threes across the board. She has a forced effect. After you draw your opening hand, you choose a role. And then you can only play, commit, or trigger abilities on neutral cards or cards from that role. As a free triggered ability, you can switch your role limit once per round. 
and uh, her elder sign effect is plus two. You may switch roles. She's got uh, six health and six sanity. The uh, taboo moves her force ability to the reverse side of her card and uh, now reads additional setup after you draw your opening hand, choose a roll, etc., etc. They have also added text to her front side. Now she can, as an action, switch roles, and this does not provoke attacks of opportunity. So you get one free switch per round, and then if you happen to be in the wrong role, you may take an action to switch an additional time. They also tweaked Lola's signature weakness, Crisis of Identity. It has the Madness trait. Discard all cards you control of your current role, then discard the top card of your deck. Switch your role to the class of the discarded card. If the discarded card is a weakness, switch your role to neutral. They have changed that card. Its revelation ability now reads, discard one card from your hand or play area of your current role. Then uh, discard the top card of your deck, etc., etc. Crisis of Identity was a uh, huge pain for Lola, and uh, this uh, relieves some of the pressure. Fortunately, we have a, a resident Lola expert in Matastrophic who has uh, played a great deal of uh, Lola. Your thoughts on uh, the changes to one of your favorite investigators? So I think what's, what's going on here is that the, what it's really about is the crisis of identity change. Crisis of identity with amongst the community was seen as one of the scariest signature weaknesses, if not the scariest. And then there's the fact that Lola has two of them. And I think a lot of people, um, a lot of players who um, get into Arkham Horror, they they tend to learn to, okay, we're going to... To be, they learn to be asset focused. So we're going to play assets and they're going to boost my stats and they're going to let me, you know, discover more clues and deal additional damage. And then, oh, here comes Crisis of Identity to blow up, to blow up the entire board. So, and then that causes play, that would cause players to bounce off Lola to say like, oh, I, I, I can't play my typical asset focused deck where I build a tableau of assets, all of the same color. And, uh, you know, they all blow up twice a game, but the real major change here is that this crisis of identity it, it it makes it safe. Now all of a sudden you just don't feel you don't have to feel threatened. You can play whatever style of Lola you want, and you'll probably be okay. So it makes it makes Lola Hayes like it makes it way easier to like build a Lola Hayes deck and have it function. I don't think it does much to change like the really powerful Lola Hayes decks. You know the ones you know the ones that were like you know would figure out ways to dodge crisis. You know and you know, like by playing, for example, playing lots of events so you don't have assets on the board, or the way I would play Lola Hayes, which is like I would just focus on using transitory assets that would run out of charges, and then I wouldn't care if they they got blown up by Crisis. So like this change that means you can just kind of you can kind of just keep going, and you don't have to worry so much about you know hitting a real hard stop with your weakness twice a game. It does also encourage you to carry some soak in your hand for your key assets. Um, which which means that I think Alola can really benefit by having some card draw, some like real you know some solid card draw like uh, Jeremiah Kirby for example, <laughs> you know you can do some fun stuff with that or or um, play like preposterous sketches or um, you know anything that lets you draw lots of cards so that way you know if you're drawing more than one a turn you'll have you'll probably have some extras in your hand to uh, pitch to your crisis. Uh, it also encourages you to play um, some redundant cards like two copies of your key assets 
like a dark horse deck you could play two dark horses and then dump your second dark horse you know when crisis comes up you know things like that all in all it makes lola more accessible and i think that's a good thing yeah having played uh, some lola myself uh, i do like this change because lola is a uh a mentally taxing investigator to play because you're you're constantly thinking about which role do I need to be in this turn? Which role do I need to be in next turn? How am I going to leverage the assets I have now and future assets? And then you throw crisis of identity on top of all that and you're you're doing a lot of mental gymnastics to to think like okay, I have 10 cards in my deck. I have these assets on the table. I need to be, which role do I need to be in to minimize the damage that Crisis is going to inflict on me? Should I draw it here in the shortly? And and so it, it added another, I think, layer of stuff you had to think about while playing Lola, who is already, you know, I think she is an advanced investigator and, and, just adding that extra thought that you had to put into it made her, I found her kind of exhausting to play, honestly. Like I'd play a couple games with her and just be like, no, I'm, I think I'm done. <laughs> oh, so, I see. Yeah. so this is, I think this is a, is a good change uh, for her and hopefully more, more players will give her a try because I think her deck building is really, really interesting. Oh, it's tons of fun. You get to like, you get to do like really weird combinations. Not necessarily like, you know, this card combos into this card, but like you get to do really weird stuff. Like I'm gonna have a guardian weapon, and I'm gonna have like a rogue ally, and I'm gonna have like a seeker magnifying glass, and yeah, it's like fun stuff like that. The next card on the list has moved from the chained unchained list to the mutated list. That is Mr. Rook. Uh, this is the second stab they have taken in at reigning in uh, one of the very popular uh, Seeker allies uh, on this list. I forget how many XP they added to him. Was it three? Four. Four? Yeah, so uh, he did appear on the chained, unchained list with four XP added to him. That uh, should tell you enough about how uh, powerful he is. He's been removed from the list and his uh, text has been changed. His free triggered ability is now an action. What do you guys think about this one? That feels much more appropriate to the yeah. amount of advantage that you can accrue from his ability. I remember back when this card was originally spoiled in Wages of Sin, I did a video like saying how this was going to be one of the best cards in the game. And well, lo and behold, it was one of the best cards in the game. Imagine that searching the top nine, nine cards of your deck for a card for free is pretty good. Yeah. And then Astounding Revelation came out and just made this card ridiculous. Yeah, we have lots of uh, Mr. Rook stories, actually. Yeah. And like I mean, my play group as well, like he, he basically not only did he replace Dr. Milan at the time, but he became like any investigator who could take him was suddenly stronger than any investigator who could not take him. Yeah. So yeah. like like in Mystics, so all of a sudden Marie's stock went up. Why? Because she can take Mr. Rook, you know. Uh, Zoe's yeah. stock went up as a guardian, you know, over like Mark Harrigan. Why? Because she could take Mr. Rook. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was like he was super duper strong. Um, 
but like and as an action it feels like appropriate not only is an action is having him cost an action appropriate just like or for the number of cards you get but some of the more advanced rook tricks were as a result of being able to use that triggered ability at any time you were able to time when exactly you would draw your weakness if you had an enemy weakness in your deck, you could wait for like the most convenient time to spawn your enemy weakness. Now, as an action, it has to be during the investigator phase. So you don't have that control over when your weakness hits, like you did with um, free action Mr. Rook, which I think is actually also very important. So not only does it make him like, it brings him in line, you know, actions for cards wise, but it also cuts down on some of the really advanced Rook tricks that mm -hmm. you were able to do yeah by yeah. timing when your weakness was pulled yeah. yeah and the thing about his ability was that you still got the card you wanted anyway yeah like, yeah you got the weakness but you still got whatever whatever other card he was going to grab you in the first place so yeah what what makes me curious about this change is whether or not we're going to see at some point astounding revelation hit the list yeah that's the one that i think is um actually a problem like, i would agree yeah, yeah. because they've, they've already changed uh, it looks like almost four cards because of that one card so i'm wondering yeah. if there will come a point where the designers say all right this is the problem now we can sort of let these other cards exist because yeah. I, I feel like mr rook was designed in a world without astounding revelation but now that Astounding Revelation oh. is such a prevalent part of the Seeker card pool that Mr. Rook just isn't the card that he was back then, if that makes sense. Uh, my suspicion is that the fact that it's a lightning bolt instead of a, uh, a um, action ability was, was a misprint. That is my tinfoil hat theory. Well, and I've just fixed the misprint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would explain why, like, I also think that Henry Wan was actually supposed to be a lightning bolt and not an action. So they they flip flopped the two cards. They flip flopped the two. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Mister Rook was already. I mean, his ability was already amazing. I think the whole weakness thing was sort of supposed to rein him in. Like, you get a card, but you also get your weakness. But then that turned out to be a good thing too. So he was yeah. just all upside no downside and then you combine him with the next card we're going to look at and things get uh, out of hand uh, pretty quickly certainly uh, mandy thompson is not the only investigator who can uh, abuse mr rook but uh, she has certainly been on uh, players radars ever since she uh, was released in uh, the dream eaters Mandy Thompson, the researcher, three willpower, five intellect, one combat, and three agility. Assistant scholar trait as a response when an investigator to location would search their deck or the encounter deck. They may either search three additional cards or resolve one additional target of that search. Limit once per round as a her elder sign effect is plus zero and you can search the top three cards of your deck for a card and either draw it or commit it to the to test if able shuffle your deck she has six health and eight sanity now uh, mandy's changes don't actually affect her front side they're all about her reverse side mandy had the option of having a deck size at creation you could choose 30 40 or 50 and then you get to choose a secondary class either mystic rogue or survivor 
and then her deck building options were seeker cards level 0 to 5, neutral level 0 to 5, and up to 10 level 0 to 1 cards, uh, or sorry, or up to, yeah, and up to 10 level 0 to 1 events and or skills of your chosen secretary class. And then you had to add a number of uh, weaknesses, that being occult evidence, based on the number of uh, cards in your deck. So one for uh, 30 cards, two for 40 cards, and three for 50 cards. Mandy has been now changed. Her deck size is 50. So if you're playing with the list of taboos, you don't have the option of building 30 or 40 card Mandy. You have to build 50 and you have to include three copies of Occult Evidence uh, in your deck. Mandy is not an, uh, an investigator. I have had a whole lot of experience uh, playing. What do you guys uh, think about this one? This is definitely an attempt to rein in Mandy, but I don't think it does enough, personally. Uh, yeah, as someone who's that... played a lot of Mandy, uh, this basically does nothing. Hmm. Because it just allows you to just play more good cards. Like, yeah. you know... If if you're playing the segment of Onyx Mandy combo deck, then sure this is a nerf. But in basically every other Mandy deck, this effectively doesn't do anything, which I I think is a a good thing overall, right? Like Mandy should be about finding the the correct tool at the right time, not assembling Voltron in two turns. And yeah, then exactly. The game from there. So I yeah. I do appreciate the philosophy of this change where we're trying to keep Mandy as sort of this toolbox investigator. That's kind of neat, but also kind of hampering down the more degenerate aspects of her abilities. This is a pretty good change. I haven't, I haven't played many 50 card Mandy decks recently, but the ones that I have have just felt like normal decks because Mandy just has so much card draw available to her. Mm -hmm. You know, you're basically getting an extra card off her ability every single time. Mm -hmm. Or you're getting the best card with her additional search three. So she, she'll be just as good. There'll be no issue. She still has five intellect. She could still take yeah. ward of protection if you need her to take ward of protection. She can still do all of those combo things if that's what you want to do. You're just going to it's slower now yeah and that's fine it's interesting how the the mandy thompson 30 card off class rogue sleight of hand necronomicon deck was apparently so busted that like two years later they're still trying to rein it in that deck is absurdly good yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, every single power card in that deck is on this list You've yes got exactly mr rook pendant of the queen Three aces. Necronomicon. <laughs> it's like literally it's the there. whole deck is in here. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they're just taking direct aim at that deck from two years ago. Or was it even three? Oh, man, there was a whole pandemic in between that deck and... Uh, I know. <laughs> and now... Yeah, yeah I think... I think that deck, like, started... Like, the final pieces had come out, like, right as COVID had started unfortunately oh that was end of dream eaters mm -hmm. yeah end of dream into, eaters right into the starter decks yeah the starter decks yeah because once once uh yeah because then you had the necronomicon to do sleight of hand on the necronomicon yeah yeah and like 
<laughs> yeah, it's just funny. And so as you say, though, like if you were playing Mandy Thompson as like a toolbox investigator, like this this change doesn't really mean all that much, you know. Yeah. And it, but there's taking da- direct aim at the degenerate Mandy Thompson deck, and even though like I think uh, as time goes on, hopefully they'll I think FFG will start realizing this that it the real problem is is like free action card draw, like. It's like lots because yeah. you just take free action card draw and you combo it with more free action card draw and things you can just build a you know a Voltron and by turn two, right? You know and just crush everything and it, I I I'd hope they'd take more direct aim at that, you know, rather than playing whack a mole and all the various components that enable, you know, a a, a, a single crazy deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because Mandy is really as only as powerful as the cards that she can tutor out, yep. and the the combos that she can she can fetch out. So if you yeah. can make those more reasonable, then Mandy will be a fine investigator. But yeah, yeah I mean, just looking at the taboo list alone, you can see that you know three quarters of that deck from two years ago is not here. So. Yeah. The next card on the list is Flute of the Outer Gods. Uh, now, this is a mystic uh, asset that was released in the Lair of Dagon uh, Mythos pack. At the time, I believe this was the most expensive XP card in the mystic uh, card pool because it had exceptional, oh. so it cost a- 8 XP. It has a cost of X, which we'll get to in a minute. It has a willpower, combat, and agility skill icon, item, instrument, relic, and curse traits, exceptional seal up to X, curse tokens, and then as an action, exhaust flute of the outer gods and release one curse token sealed on it. Choose a non-elite enemy at your location. Either move the chosen enemy to a connecting location or deal its damage to an enemy at its location. This action does not provoke attacks of opportunity and it takes up a hand slot. Flute of the Outer Gods has been changed. It loses the exceptional keyword, so uh, it now costs 4 XP, so it had its uh, XP cost slashed in half, and uh, it but it is limit, once, limit 1 per deck, so you don't have to pay as much XP for it, but it's still limited in your deck. Well, there's a reason for that, mm. because if it wasn't limit 1 per deck, then you would have to go and buy a second copy of that Mythos pack in order, you would. In order to have another one. <laughs> yeah. So we, we talked a little bit about, a little earlier about uh, how Mystics got royally screwed with their uh, capstones in uh, the Innsmouth Conspiracy cycle. Right of Equilibrium being a bit of a dud, and uh, this one, man, I, I still don't know what to do with it now. Now, Maxi Newman uh, acknowledges in uh, the FFG article that this card uh, scared her initially because apparently during playtesting, some wild stuff happened, which uh, resulted in this one getting the exceptional keyword and uh, having its uh, XP jacked up. I don't think this card has made a huge impression on the community. I think a lot of people probably had to come to Arkham DB to remember what this card actually did, and I'm honestly still don't see how this one gets out of hand. But maybe you see something I don't. Uh, I don't know. 
honestly. I I remember when we reviewed this card, we were at a loss of what this was meant to do, and I still feel that way about this card. Yeah, not sure what happened here. It... I want to know what this card did in playtesting. I wish that they had. I'm really that curious. Story. Yeah, like what the what the stories are because yeah. we don't actually know how it got ringed in. Like, okay, so exception was added, but that effect text could have been something completely different, you know. And then it was like in the eleventh hour is when they both added exceptional and changed the effect text, and then we got what we got. But we don't know. Like, it, it could have been anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. But it sounds like what it does is it it chooses you choose a non-lead enemy and you move it away. Dene Beauregard does the same thing, and mm -hmm. she got a taboo up. I wonder if there's a play style that some of the playtesters have in which choosing a non-lead enemy and shoving it away is like very powerful. I get that. And I wonder if it's feeling, not the way yeah. we play. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and like a lot of players, you know, we sort of brute force everything. We just kill yes. everything on sight. But mm -hmm. yeah, there's definitely it seems a large emphasis on enemy movement. You know, we even uh -huh. see it on like Cyclopean Hammer as well. Yes, uh, yeah, which where that seems like about. it's a very powerful thing. Yeah, you know, like, but the community at large doesn't seem to value those types of effects. Yeah. You know, I'm wondering if like they have some some combo set up where they're like playing whack-a-mole where they like move the enemy over and then they've got someone waiting there for the enemy and they move yeah. it into a trap or something like that I well don't know. i think i've already solved i've already solved that question it starts the d and ends with an dynamite blast yeah i i struggle with this one i i mean moving an enemy way okay sort of like bait and switch sort of yeah, like a card that's very under under a bunch of a bunch yeah. of effects that we haven't been too charitable towards in our reviews and then or dealing damage to an enemy at its location i mean okay most enemies only are going to be dealing one maybe two damage most of the time mm -hmm. for x cost and a whole bunch of curse tokens to set up that just seems uh like it's not going to happen. I, I I think it is worth noting that uh, if you do visit the Flute of the Outer Gods uh, page on Arkham DB, uh, they have already there is already a comment uh, about the taboo and uh, writing it off is still terrible. So <laughs> so people have wasted the little time in weighing in on uh, on this one. Maybe it sees more play. But, you know, without, like you said, without knowing how this card has evolved since its first iteration, it's pretty tough to say how it was broken or required sort of the yeah. the exceptional amount of XP you were paying for it in the first place. Yeah, I do wonder if it's just a um, kind of an un, a stone unturned by the community is uh, moving, shoving enemies around. It's just Maybe it's just something we just have, like we as a community, as a larger community, you know, like it's not in our collective consciousness yet. I mean, maybe it, uh, you know, we are getting the new uh, concealed keyword in the uh, Scarlet Keys or campaign expansion that will be on some enemies. And maybe Flute has a role in that. It sounds like we've seen a couple of spoilers that suggest enemies might be sticking around a little longer than 
you know a couple of actions with, like, i know we keep i know saying that with every set you know like with every even like back at dunwich we were talking about this concept of enemies sticking around longer you know and so i wonder if it's just something that's a, a like a like a persistent gulf you know between design and community we are going to wrap things up with four cards from the edge of the earth investigator expansion the first is uh one of two seeker cards that were added to the list this is a uh, prophesia profana atlas of the unknowable it is a uh, four cost asset that costs five xp has two wild skill icons the item relic and tome trait while you are not at the Locus, you get plus one intellect, plus one agility, and you may ignore attacks of opportunity as a response after Prophecy of Profana enters play. Choose a revealed location. That location is the Locus until Prophecy of Profana leaves play. And as an action, you can move any, any investigator to the Locus. Takes up a hand slot. This one has had its text altered, so you still get the plus one intellect and plus one agility, but you only get to ignore the first attack of opportunity against you each round. Not all attacks of opportunity. Thoughts? We had to tag this one with a curse token during our review, and uh, does this rein it in? Not really. <laughs> Honestly? Yeah. Like, how many it's attacks still... of opportunity are you taking per turn? mostly well, one right yeah exactly but at least it doesn't let you completely negate half the game you know <laughs> by yeah. negating all attacks of opportunity that's true yeah. yeah it's not completely ridiculous it's only kind of ridiculous i guess now yeah because i think we focus a lot on the um, teleportation effect and how it um can completely nullify movement-based challenges and it still does that yeah, it still seems pretty outrageous for 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 what you get. Your, I mean, one attack of opportunity per turn is probably really doesn't change a whole lot about the card. Maybe this one will get a, a few more tweaks uh, in a year or so when we see the next FAQ, but. Uh, mm -hmm. Not a huge change there. The next card on the list is uh, Black Market. This is a rogue event. One cost has cost two experience points. It has the favor trait. Fast play at the start of the investigation phase. One at a time reveal cards from the top of any investigator's decks until exactly five cards have been revealed. Set those cards aside out of play. While set aside, any investigator may play any of those cards as if they were in their hand. At the start of the next investigation phase, shuffle each of those cards still set aside into their owner's decks. Sounds like this one landed on the list not so much because of itself, but uh, just the fact of chaining Black Market into Black Market got a little bit crazy in multiplayer. So yeah, now, it, like now it is limited to max once per round. Yeah, this, this seems like one of those changes that was... You know, when you get four, you get some people in a Discord group, and they talk about, but if I play Black Market, and then I draw my entire deck, and then the Black Market comes back, and I'm still in, you know, I'm still at the start of the investigator phase, so I play the same Black Market again, and then I remove everybody's everybody's entire decks from their deck and put it all on the table, and then we win the game. It, it seems like it's targeting that ridiculous scenario. I've already completely nullified the entire game anyway. You know, it on paper, not in real life, and. Uh, then in that case, black market's 
kind of broken. But yeah, this change feels like you missed a semicolon somewhere. So you had to put the yeah. you back into your code and put the semicolon back in. Yeah. Yeah, to keep it from looping forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I suspect most players probably weren't trying to break the game with this card, and most of them were just playing it as intended, and you weren't ending up with, with crazy loops. I think it's still very strong and very appropriate. Like, it's kind of cool, too, that you can, like, get everybody to... Who needs assets? And you put them out on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, I mean, when we reviewed it, it, the thought never crossed our minds that we were going to, like, somehow make a chain that removes everyone's decks and puts them all on the table, you know? Because why would you want to do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it works on paper, you know? It's, it's good for Discord conversations, you know? Yeah, like... <laughs> Like it's, you said, it's one of those things where you, you brew it up and you go, okay, that was fun. Let's do something else now. <laughs> the next two cards are both the same card. One is the uh, level one version. The other is the level four version. This is, of course, Aeon Chart, which we uh, definitely hammered with a curse token in our reviews. Uh, this uh, change affects both of the cards, so I'll just read the... Uh, the level four version, which is the really ridiculous one. Uh, it's a two cost uh, asset, cost four XP, intellect, agility, and wild skill icons, item, and relic trait. Uses three secrets as a free triggered ability during your turn. Exhaust and chart and spend one secret to choose and take two of the following actions in any order move, evade, or investigate. Takes up uh, an accessory slot. The level one version is basically the same except that you only get to take one of the following actions not two the change to both versions is that now the card reads following basic actions instead of following actions that means you can take basic uh, move evade or investigate actions you cannot uh, take the souped up versions that are available on uh, on uh, other cards in play what do you guys think about this change? I don't know. I don't think that really does anything. <laughs> like, you're still generating extra actions. And I would imagine most of the time, those actions are move anyway. So if you're moving, it doesn't matter whether or not it's a basic action or a regular action. Unless you have some ridiculous move action card. But even still, like, this card is still <laughs> really good. <laughs> Yeah, at least the level one version, it doesn't it doesn't like run circles around Leo, like say Leo De Luca anymore, you know because Leo De Luca allows you to do any action, and mm, can I use don't know. Any, yeah, I, I'd still find that arguable just because of its cost. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it true. comes with three charges and costs two resources, but you can recur it over and over again, which is, seems to be where the real problem lies. Yeah, is recharging the secrets or you know um, recurring it over and over doing things that are you know out like pushing it really far and that seems to be a common theme with a lot of these taboos where it's like if you just do the thing on the card and don't try to like you know solve the secrets of the universe you know then it's fine <laughs> but it, it's only when you like really push things to the limit is when things start cracking Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling Eon Chart Level Four was was super strong. That's totally worth a curse token because two actions is a little too much. But Eon Chart Level One, it was like, okay, well, if I'm just gonna take three extra moves, you know, and spend my accessory slot to do that, like that seems okay. I know there's some really crazy 
investigate substitutions that you can do. Like, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that's what's going on here. Unearth the Ancients level two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's there's a bunch of silly stuff that you could do for sure. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's kind of why it doesn't really matter. I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, sure. Now you're not like doing all of those ridiculous things, but you just do those things with your normal actions instead. Like you're still mm-hmm. generating two extra actions with this. And then I like, also... you can still combo it by readying it and exhausting it again. Yeah. Or putting it back up into your hand and then playing it again and then re-exhausting yeah. it. Like, it doesn't stop any of that stuff. It also doesn't solve the uh, rules question that seems to have popped up straight for over a year now is, do I have to, can I choose the same action twice? Did not address that question, even though it's frequently asked. I'm kind of surprised on this one that they didn't tack on the remove Aeon chart from the game sort of thing, considering they have yeah. done that to many, many of the most like sort you, of abusive looping example. cards. You Catastrophe, yeah. I believe the Pendant to the Queen stuff gets removed. You've got a, ra- a Watchful Peace, Hollow, any of those ones where players are incentivized to loop the shit out of these cards get the remove Mm -hmm. from the game text and this one didn't so maybe that will come down the down the line but i think you're right nate i mean you're still getting three actions so what if you like move it doesn't affect move most of the time anyway like there aren't a lot of cards that that are special moves and then evade yeah there's some cards that uh that can be used to evade but i think a lot of investigators are just good at it who are going to use this are just good at evading on their own anyway and then investigate i think is the is the big one there are quite a few cards that that uh, let you take super powered investigate actions but like you said you just play those with your other action and then just take the basic investigate with this one so maybe maybe this is just more cosmetic than actually effective at least the nerfing of the investigate piece makes it a bit tougher to trigger scavenging but you still can commit deduction yeah that's true that's true but at least but you can't do like the bob jenkins lockpicks loop as well mm. you know like stuff like that yeah yeah so at least it does there's like an actual effect there of you know of this taboo there is yeah i just mm-hmm. don't think it's nearly enough well we have been going for a lot longer than i thought we would but uh there is a, a lot of cards that were added to the uh the taboo list this time around Given that uh, the last uh, Taboo List update was over a year ago, we're going to wrap things up with uh, the big hammer. Cyclopean Hammer. Five cost Guardian and Mystic Asset that cost five XP. Two Willpower, two Combat Skill Icons, Item, Relic, Weapon, and Melee Trait as an action fight. Add your Willpower to your skill value for this attack. You deal plus one damage for this attack. If you succeed and the enemy is non-elite, you may move it one location away from you. If you succeed by three or more, you instead deal plus two damage and may move the enemy up to two locations away from you. It takes up both hand slots. 
The text has now been changed, primarily the parenthetical text. If you succeed by three or more, you may exhaust Cyclopean Hammer to instead deal plus two damage and move the enemy up to two locations away from you. The uh, reasoning given in the uh, FFG's article is just to uh, tone down the damage potential a little bit of this so you cannot consistently just deal three damage attacks willy-nilly. What do you guys think about this? I think it's a reasonable change. It's yeah. still a five XP weapon, you know, so you expect it to be powerful. So I'm, I, I think this is a very reasonable change. You know, it still yeah, we... deals two damage with no ammo on it. You know, if you're comparing that to Flamethrower, which I think is kind of the other big weapon that most people would, would gravitate towards with a full card pool, this mm -hmm. feels in line with that. You know, rather than being able to spread damage, you're now just whacking at something with a big hammer. <laughs> yeah, that w this was an interesting one, because we weren't, like, as quite as panicky about this one, you know, than uh, the community seemed to be. Yeah, like... The end of the day, weapons are only as good as the enemies they defeat. You know, mm -hmm. like dealing three damage to a two health enemy doesn't really change anything. At least this change doesn't. It means that you multiple three damage attacks is still the realm of like lightning gun. Yes. You know, at least there's that. There's that little difference between ammo and not ammo. Like yeah, okay. and it gives yeah. it gives the lightning gun a reason to exist now. Like, yeah, that's true. It's like if you need something to deal three damage every single time you use it, that's lightning gun. Yeah, I like lightning gun. <laughs> and it's yeah. this still facilitates the Cyclopean hammer plus um, the uh, goodness uh, enchant weapon combo. Oh, the four damage, uh, the four damage swings. Yeah, you yeah. can still do that. Yeah, that's so, true. Go nuts. Okay. I, I've I've thought this card is fine. It's a very good weapon, but I wouldn't like. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's What's band worthy. It, what, or anything. what is interesting is like I I can tell that uh, the the scary bit about moving enemies is like completely absent from the conversation. You know. Yeah, it's the damage. You know, it's yeah. the reliable damage that's the issue. Yeah, I'm noticing a a trend in our in our dis you know our discussion here about that. Yeah, I don't think this is much of a surprise to see this here. I mean, flamethrower did get chained at plus one experience points looks like they took a different tactic with cyclopean hammer they probably could have tacked on an xp and left it as is but decided to sort of address the the damage potential of it and i mean i wasn't overly concerned about the hammer to begin with so sure that is gonna do it for our look at the uh the updated uh FAQ and uh, the list of taboos. Uh, any final thoughts, guys, on uh, on the list? I think overall it's a very solid list. They seem to address, you know, a lot of the cards that I think the community at large were concerned about, which is good. I like the changes to the Mystic cards at large, kind of feature-proofing the way that they interact with tokens, giving them a buff to Curse and Blessed decks is cool. Mr. Rook finally getting the uh, the tempo swing that he needed is great, and a little sad about Renfield, but can't be perfect. Well, we discussed our philosophies on how we, you know, use the taboo list uh, earlier. One thing that's definitely true is like in in a larger community, given that we're at the point where we're we're only going to be receiving one cycle of cards every year, and I wish they would update the taboo list like quarterly, just to give us something to talk about, right? 
you know, because it's regardless, you know, regardless, regardless of how emotional you get about the taboo list, it's definitely fun chat, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of wish they would update it more often, you know, I to... think that and it helps to kind of freshen the game up a little bit. If you're not going to release new cards, at least you can sort of change how the current cards work and yep. give players that are invested something to look forward to. Yeah, like um, changing Lola up there. Like, that's a big deal. You know, that's a whole investigator that I imagine, and I, I hope, and I challenge all, all of you listening right now to, uh, you know, to give her a try if you haven't before. Even you, Nate, I challenge you. Mm, we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but then and all it took was, like, two lines of text, and all of a sudden it's like, it's like they released a whole new investigator. I don't think there are a lot of uh, surprises on the list. I mean, a lot of the cards that are on it, we have talked about in in one way or another in our reviews. I think David Renfield is is the big surprise, but I think that uh, as we saw some spoilers for the Scarlet Keys emerge, that uh, I know there were some players who were already itching to play David Renfield in the new in the new Doom deck, and this sort of takes a hit at that uh, before uh, it even gets started. Uh, it's nice to see some of the less played cards get a little bit of a boost. I don't know if it's going to be enough in the case of Rite of Equilibrium and Flute of the Other Outer Gods or not. The one thing that uh, strikes me about the uh, the taboo list in this game is I feel as though looking back at ffg's previous lcgs uh, the lord of the rings uh, lcg in particular that they were much more willing to change a lot of cards and that list was much much longer and much more extensive now maybe that was a result of just the cards in the game but i mean they do acknowledge that they are not tackling all of the overpowered or underpowered cards in this game and part of me is just kind of like well either do it or don't (laughs) you know it's sort of just like we've sort of done a little bit but Mm -hmm. i don't know it just it it. just strikes me as like if you're gonna start tinkering you might as well go whole hog and I, I, I find it, I just find it sort of ironic that they often talk about like, oh, well, we don't want errata because it forces people to remember stuff that isn't on the card. We we really want to try to keep the whole chained and, un, and mutated stuff to a minimum if we can, because we don't want to force players to remember a bunch of stuff. And then they turn around and print something like customizable cards, which includes a whole extra no. cards worth no, of text no, don't, 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 don't go there don't go there <laughs> oh we have we have like at least two months left before we have to go there oh <laughs> so yeah i i just kind of wish like if they if they're gonna tinker just tinker right but i think this uh, this might also be reflection of the changes that have gone on at ffg over the past few years i mean it's it's Certainly not the company that it used to be, certainly not in size anyway, or staffing. And maybe they just don't have the time to mm. to deal with something like an FAQ. And so 
they have to do sort of what they can do and they only have a certain amount of time they can commit to it and that's that whereas something like lord of the rings back in the day they had more staff and more time to commit to to putting out faqs i mean the fact that we only it took them more than a year after edge of the earth to answer some of the questions we had about that set and i suspect it will be another year before we get answers about the scarlet keys which kind of frustrates me as a player but Mm. i wonder if they included that text about we recognize that there are more overpowered cards and underpowered cards that are not on this list i wonder if that's just a boilerplate text to like dissuade people from sending them angry emails and that and that's all like dear ffg why didn't you add this card to the list you know by having that text like oh we recognize that there are more that we didn't catch and then that means you they don't need you us to tell them that they didn't catch something you know and keeps their email boxes slimmer yeah it's possible it's yeah. possible but anyway i think it's not really any uh, great surprises if you're uh, on the discords or listening to other uh, content creators. Many of these cards have been discussed before. So uh, cards like Mr. Rook and Acidic Icker have been problematic for quite some time and they're still trying to, trying to tinker with them. Mandy has been a problem since her release in the dream eaters it is nice that the mystics do get a boost with their chaos bag manipulation and the bless and curse mechanic and uh, they are future proofing themselves for future tokens which uh, we may or may not see which i think is a, a good thing let us know in the comments down below what you think about uh, the list of taboos were there any cards that surprised you any cards that you wanted to see nerfed and or buffed on the list let us know uh, down below and uh, we will be back with uh, to wrap up our reviews of uh, not only the player cards in the Dunwich Legacy but also the uh, investigators we are currently recording those and we will have those out to you shortly and of course we are building up to the Scarlet Keys investigator expansion that I believe is slated to be released at uh, the end of september beginning of october possibly different depending where you are in the world but uh, i think that is the uh, the plan so far and we will be uh, tackling those uh, those reviews so stay tuned for that that's going to do it for this episode if you enjoyed what you hear remember to like comment and subscribe if you need to contact me i can be reached at manfromlang at gmail.com i'm also on twitter at manfromlang Until the stars are right, keep your shotgun close and your elder sign closer. Take care out there, and happy investigating.